So today, uh, upon the encouragement of my husband, he asked me to share with you. He told me, don't be a preacher, be a mother. And so I'm going to try that this time and see if I can stay away from my notes a little bit more and be a little bit more myself. A couple of years ago, and I can remember telling Jill this, so I'm not quite sure. It's been a couple years anyway. Um, the Lord dropped a phrase into my spirit, nothing as usual, nothing as usual. And that's the way the Lord deals with me. He'll pop it in just a line, and then I have to go and really seek out, well, what are you saying by that, Lord? What do you mean by that, nothing as usual? Sometimes it'll be a song or, or something like that, and then I take it and I reflect and I study until I feel that I've come up with what the Lord was saying. And at the time when I mentioned it to Jill, I can remember that I was, I had been thinking, okay, he's saying nothing as usual. We, we need to look at everything as though, okay, with a fresh set of eyes, our marriages, our homes, our children, our church, everything. Okay, I don't want to just look at it as this is the usual way that we're going to do things. God, what are you saying fresh in this hour and in this day? What do you want me to do today with my family? What do you want me to do today with my marriage? Don't apply the old uh, pattern of life, if you will, to the circumstance that you've been facing over and over and you've been butting your head against the wall. Look at it and seek me and find out what God is saying. And try something different. Apply a different method that's given to you by the Holy Spirit. So, with that in mind, I've spent a long time I've been meditating on that. <laughs> and little did I realize that the next two years would be literally nothing as usual in the world, in the community, in the church, in every field of business, everything, nothing was as usual. Now, I'm going to be very careful the length of time I spend on this because I know this, People are really tired of hearing about it. They just want to get on with their lives. But there still has to be a little background here, okay? We have to think sometimes. We're a little protected in the community we live in. We're a little protected from the things that are going on around. But listen now, the pandemic, closed church doors, shortages in the stores, stockpiling, sickness, death. We have people that were sick unto death that could not have someone with them sitting by their side. People were staring through glass. I mean, this is unprecedented that you couldn't be with your loved ones as they go to be with Jesus. I mean, this is just unprecedented. Weddings, funerals, family gatherings canceled. Grammys can't come to things because they're afraid that they're going to get sick. Masks, shortages in hospital beds, no school for our children, everyone at home, isolation, 
isolation. What's the one thing that we talk about that we shouldn't do? Isolate ourselves, right? Isolation everywhere. Political and social unrest. Economic disaster worldwide. Lack of helpers with want ads all over the place asking for help. Signs everywhere, no one will work. Travel is affected, countries are closed. There's lockdowns in the streets of countries. Um, Ramona showed me pictures from Italy. This has been a few months ago, obviously, but pictures of people walking the streets with guns, not letting the people out of their homes. I mean, we're this is craziness. Senseless murder, violence, lawlessness, destructions of cities. There's conspiracy theories. There's vaccines. Do you take them? Do you not take them? These are just a few things. There's also strain among believers. There's strain among families. Families have been divided over politics. Families and, and relationships. Churches have been divided over masks or no masks, right? This is craziness, the things that we are allowing ourselves to get. There's a lot of it that's not crazy. It's plain sorrowful and sad, and it's been a huge change. There's also things that are a little crazy that we're getting ourselves involved in. So certainly, we can say that it's nothing, nothing as usual. And Pastor told me, he said, Jan, if you get nothing else out today than that, tell the people it's nothing as usual. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. As we've watched it unfold, what has been the result? Well, how are people responding? Well, some have given way to positive changes. Many people have said it's been helpful to be back together for a little bit at home and, and, to, re, and to resort your lives and say, oh my goodness, you know, you know, we've been kind of lax here in some of these areas. All right? For others, they're blissfully oh, unaware of what's going on and just going on with their business. It'll all get better. It'll all return to normal. And then there's others who are filled with doubt and fear. Our children are having to go and see psychiatrists because of what's going on. Schools are flooded with questions and kids are asking, well, what's going on? And again, this has started to change, but we need to know what it's done to the mentality of the people. Some people say, oh, you know, they gotta be tough. We gotta teach the kids to be tough. Yep, we sure do. But what about protection? And what about um, watching over their little spirits so that they don't get fearful and fretful? If we're fearful and fretful, why would we think that they're not? They don't know what's going on. You know, why they have to wear a mask when they go into such a place and, and, and how things have changed and why they can't go and be the normal of life. So certainly, it is definitely unusual. For the child of God, for those of us who know the word, and I'm looking out across and every single one of you do, right? We know that these things are what? Signs of the times. Signs of the times. Signs of the times. Now I've been thinking about this and I can remember as a child. We've talked about all the time. All the time. Be ready. Be watchful. You don't know the hour he's going to come. Some will be left behind. As a child, I remember this. I remember 
being fearful, actually. I remember being very fearful as a child. Pastor told me, he said, Jan, that wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad that you were fearful because it caused you to have a little bit of caution and not just throw everything to the wind while you decide to be a wild teenager and do whatever you thought or whatever. It caught, gave you some boundaries in your life because you knew that, you wait a minute now, I don't want to be the one left behind. I don't want to be left behind. I want to go. I want, when, I, when, they, when Jesus catches us up, catches us away and out of this, I want to be one of them going, right? Sometimes I'll giggle and I'll look and I'll say, boy, you know, because there's not many people here, like at 9.30 when the church is going to start, I'll make a little joke and say, well, did, 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 did Jesus come and I wasn't invited? <laughs> you know, that's, sorry, Lord, that was a little bit of a joke. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I don't claim to be an end-time theologian, not in any way shape or form. <laughs> I'm going to leave those intricate, fancy debates and theological discussions to those that can really, our pastor, Pastor Martin, when I was a child, he was, he was basically a theologian on it, and he loved to talk about it. And so a half of it I didn't really come away with, but the part that I came away with was be ready, be watchful. So every generation has heard this. Jesus is coming soon, right? My great-grandparents heard this. And then my grandparents heard this. And then my parents heard this. And then I heard this. And then my children have heard this. And now it's their responsibility too, and our responsibility, that their children hear this. Jesus is coming soon. Boy, it's been a lot of years, right? We have to remember in the scriptures, and I should tell you this right away, because it's a really, really powerful study. If you want to see, and, and you don't even need to know, okay, are we pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? I mean, you don't even need to know any of that. Just read it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 2, Luke 21. Okay, so if you want to go and just read and all the things, nobody will have any doubt whatsoever on what we need to be, what we're called to be as God's people, what some of the signs of the times are, and how we need to be acting, what we need to be doing with our lives. All right, so that's, that's my scripture basis, all of those. We don't want to be ignorant concerning the times. 2 Peter 3, 3 and 4 says, Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They'll say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the time of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. It's the same as it's always been. The same as it's always been. We don't want to be caught up in that. Let me ask you this. Could this be the last generation to hear that Jesus is coming soon? We have no idea. To him, what is it, a thousand years is as a day, right? We have no idea, but we can see the signs all around us, and we can know that 
something is different about what we're facing today. And we don't want to be the mocker and the scoffer. We want to be the one that says, oh God, search me, know me, see if there be any wicked way in me. Show me what you want me to do, Lord, right? We don't want to be that the, and we don't want to forget to tell the next generation. You know, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that because you know I love the family, so we're going to talk about it. The Bible is clear about the atmosphere, the climate, the environment that is prevalent in the last days. Second Thessalonians 2 says that there's a great falling away that will take place. A great falling away. Well, it's not sinners falling away, people. The great falling away is saints, right? Second Timothy 3 says there will be perilous times. Selfishness, greedy, proud, blasphemous, disobedient toward parents and authority, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. You know, by the way, we can also look at this as, okay, well, what are we supposed to be? If this is not what's good, if this is what's prevalent, what should our, what should our life look like then if we're people of light? We should be selfless, giving, humble, obedient, promoters of good and justice, having peace and mercy, being thankful, being holy, being full of love and forgiveness, having self-control. That's the opposite of those things. So that's what we should be, right? Right. He says in the last days, and there's many references in the scriptures I just gave you, many references, that there will be false teachers and a spirit of deception. A spirit of deception. That's deceiving and, and, and just, oh, it sounds just about good enough, but not a little bit off, but just, just a little bit. Oh. Am I going to grab a hold to that? Am I going to grab a hold? It's not going to be big and bold, like, wow, that is really error. No, it's going to be, it's going to be slightly off, but just a little, you know, that it's hard to tell. Because the Bible says that even the elect can be deceived. What does that say? That says, boy, there are people that know something, <laughs> right? Second Thessalonians, Thessalonians 2, 7 the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. That's in the Bible. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. What is the mystery of lawlessness? Again, I'm not a Bible scholar, but it's the spirit of wickedness. It's the spirit of Antichrist. It's already at work. It's already at work. How is it held back? How is the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of wickedness, held back? It's held back by the Holy Spirit. And where is he? He's in us. He's in us. Thank you, Jesus. The spirit of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit is within us. It's held back by that spirit. He helps us, the Holy Spirit, helps us and hinders Satan at the same time. He's pretty great, right? But it's our presence here that holds back that spirit. When we are caught up, 
it'll be mayhem around here. But while we're here, our job is to carry the power of the Holy Spirit wherever we go. It cannot be weak. And God's calling us to an understanding that these days, it's nothing as usual. Nothing, nothing as usual. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So let's just talk a little bit about what does God want from us in this hour? This is not an easy message, but I can sense it in my spirit. The urgency, the urgency, the hunger, the hunger that people have, that they desire righteousness, and they, and they want to know God what to do. There's so much strife. There's so much um, turmoil. And we can ignore it, um, or we can come to our precious Lord and say, show us how to deal with it now. Because the generation that is in front of us now, or coming behind us, the, the, the needs that they have and the things that they are facing are so much more complex and dark than my little problems I faced when I was in school. And when I was, it's completely different. It's much more, I had it written down here, it's, it's, I'm going to say what it's called because it's like, they're distorted. They're distorted. And they're plain unnatural. Okay? It's evil. It's dark. It's bold. Right? It's not just little. Very bold. Very bold. And so, we can get on our high horse and start gabbing about it and talking about how horrible things are, or we can do what God's called us to do, and that's train up our children. Pray, pray, pray. Use spiritual principles. Spiritual principles. Realize what we are fighting, the enemy that we have. It's here. It's not people. You know, we might have to stand up for our faith and give an account. Yes, we are going to face tribulation. We are going to face persecution as the church of Jesus Christ. We're salt and light. Salt and light. Guess what? Salt is so wonderful in many ways. It's also an irritant, right? And we irritate the enemy. We irritate him. We irritate the unbeliever that is godless. You know, not just people trying to do good. We're talking about godless people. We irritate them. They don't want to hear from us. They don't want to hear about the purity of marriage and, you know, holiness and all these things that we stand for. So we have to have a more pure, a, a more Holy Spirit-driven response to these things that we face and not just get angry and fuss about what we don't like, but get to the place where we are doing it with the power of the Holy Spirit behind us. So personally, how can we be, be prepared? Well, check our spiritual temperature. Really easy. Really easy. You know, falling away, is it, it, it's the sliding slope, right? It's not a grand change. It's not all of a sudden, oh, today, you know, I just, I, I don't believe. Uh, uh, you know, it doesn't happen that way. It's a slow, sliding slope. It's a weakening of convictions. 
It's a lack of interest in spiritual things. How about it's not being moved with compassion for the lost, not caring what's going on with the people who, who don't know and don't even understand what I'm talking about. It's isolation. We talked about that just briefly. It's a separation from accountability. It's having my own little world and my own little way. We get isolated, what happens? The, the weak one gets off in the corner in, in the animal kingdom, right? What happens? There's a little weakness that happens, a little bit of limping, and pretty soon the attack comes. They're surrounded. They're cornered and surrounded. We don't want to be in that position. How about the mindset like this? This isn't relevant to me. I, I, I need to hear it in a way that's relevant to me. I, I, you know, I can't receive like that. So it's not about me. How about this? What kind of soil are we? What kind of soil are we? When the word comes, how do we respond? How do we respond to that? What about our, 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 what about our judgmental attitudes and our critical spirit? What, what, what happens? What, the, we all have to check ourselves. You'd be amazed. I've had to do this. I'll be at work, and I'm just kid not kidding you. It just rises up inside me, and I get so frustrated that I'm completely ready to act out of character. And I'm like, I've been submitting it to the Lord. Lord, what's, what is this? You know, what, what's causing this? And I have to bring it under to sub submission to him. For him to work that out of me, because I don't care if it's even true what happened. The fact that it rose up within me like that is not what I want to be. I'm dealing with people who aren't me. Right? So we have to be careful what that we represent Jesus to the world, no matter what. So when there's something rises up within you, don't, don't be as usual go, wait a minute, I submit this to you, Lord. I submit this to you, to your Lordship. What is, what is it at the core of this? Why does this bug me so bad and deal with it? What about our thoughts during the day? What consumes us? What drives us? And what frustrates us, what I just dealt with. But, but what consumes our thinking? If it's not whatsoever things are pure, lovely, good report, you know, all these things. If it's not those things, obviously we have to do our jobs, you know. But I'm saying if those things are being shoved down and all that's coming up is what's going on in the world today or how somebody did you wrong or whatever, boy, we better bring that under submission to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And then what about this? We don't talk about it very often. But what about the sin that's been allowed to stay in our lives? What about the sin that so easily besets us? Have we become careless in the fact that we will take God's word when it comes to the blessings that we see when we read it and not also take that which says we should not be this way or we should not act this way or we should not, and we ignore it? 
I'm not saying we do, but even as we're ministering with other people, eventually you have to take a look and say, remind ourselves God cannot look on sin. God cannot look on sin. And we can stand in his presence and say, oh, Father, in Jesus' name, I confess this sin. And you are the only one that can help me to get rid of that sin. I lay it at your feet. I ask you to forgive me, right? It's gone. As far as the east is from the west is gone. But make no mistake about it. You cannot get up from the prayer, walk right out the door and do it again, and then come back and say, oh, God, you know? I mean, eventually, after you've done it 100 times and you've just literally pushed on every, everything that God has, has every roadblock he's put in your life, every time he said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't go back there, I'm telling you, don't go there, and you do it anyway, eventually you're going to have to face some kind of consequence, right? But that's sin. And so wouldn't it be way better? And, and I'm not kidding you. I, there's a lot of sin, right? Every one of us has fallen short. Every one of us has fallen short. But there's, there, there is complete and total hope to, 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 to be healed and be free from it. There is total hope. Some things are harder. You know, some things are harder to overcome. They are. Because they have such a spirit and such a hold. But that's where accountability comes in. You put somebody in your life that's willing to ask the tough questions. Are you doing okay in this area? Are, are you okay? So that you can walk out of it. The very environment around us is perilous. And it challenges our faith. And if I've stood for the Lord since the day I gave my heart to him at the age of nine and probably loved him my entire life, if I can be shaken after all I know about God and his word, what about our next generation? What about our young people? What about our young people? We have to have a heart that goes the extra mile and, dis and, and does some discipleship and does some 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 hand-holding and, and, and encouragement. We have to, to help them so that they can navigate these things. If we can take a nothing-as-usual approach in our personal lives, it's like letting the light of God shine in. There's an old song, and I'm sure I've used this before in a message because it's stuck with me my whole life. It is not in any way, like, verbally, the words are not accurate. They're weird. But it says... Is there a place in your heart where even you won't go? You've got some things hidden there. This is the part. You don't want no one to know. You don't want anybody to know. You don't even want to go there. But Jesus hands you the key with tears of love on his face. Because he is, it's about the Lord. Is it, he wants the best for us. He says, I want to make you clean. Let me go in the secret place. And as a child or a young person, I remember the, the visual in my mind of watching the Lord with the tears streaming down his face, saying, I want to make you clean. Come on, come on. Give me the key. Let's go in this secret place.
right? If you don't even want to go there, it's a place you don't like either, right? So let's just let it, let it all there. Let him take care of it. Let him clean it out. He's well able. We want to never be too proud to say, I have more to learn. There's more that I can do. I could be wrong about this. Have you said that lately? Huh, I could be wrong about this. Reveal my motives, Lord. Why does this bother me so bad? How come I can't let this go? How about, help me. Forgive me. Change me. I surrender. I surrender. How about your family and your marriage? How about relationally with your brothers and sisters? Take the temperature of your home. What is the atmosphere in my home like? How are my relationships doing? The strength of our families is vital in this hour. We need each other. We need each other corporately, but we need our families. We need grandmas and grandpas. We need godly people imparting into our lives. The family unit is one of the greatest targets of the enemy today. He doesn't want strong godly families, but we are the responsible people for our home. We are the ones that are, the atmosphere of our home is up to us, what it's gonna be like. And the Lord wants us to take the posture of nothing as usual. He wants us to use, he doesn't want us to use the same methods that we've always done that give us the same crummy results to the same bad circumstances and everybody walks away mad or upset and whatever and it never changes, right? He doesn't want that. He wants us to seek his face. Seek his face. Okay, this is bad. This is a bad situation we're facing. We're not bad people. We're just facing a really bad situation. And I want to fervently pursue him until he helps me with a plan of action. And I will tell you, after been being raised from a child still in their teenage years, and marrying a pastor, I have learned many, 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 like 90% of all the problems that we face can be handled without a word. Why? Because it's through prayer. And I've got this godly, crazy man that is super, super, super patient, and he prays, and he prays, and he prays. Now, there's times when I really do want him to talk. I will tell you that. He needs to speak a little more, in my opinion. But when it comes to problems, he prays it out. And before you know it, it's the path is cleared, right? So let's remember that. I mean, I've seen it my whole life. I've seen it my whole adult life. Parents, what we want to teach our children in this hour, okay? A lot of our family is small, young. 
There's a lot of young kids, but there's teenagers as well. And guess what? The little ones won't be very long, and they're going to be in these years where the hormones are raging, and they don't know, you know, they're ugly, and why did God make them that way? And, you know, how am I, what does God want me to do with my life? And, you know, I don't like your rules, and I can't stand that you're telling me that. And, and all of a sudden, your parents aren't perfect. They're really flawed, and you know better than they do. It happens. I don't know how it happens, even in the perfect Schultz family. It still happened. I don't know. <laughs> oh, actually, my kids were, were, they were good. But, you know, they, they didn't, like, you know, trust me, they didn't like the rules any more than anybody else's kids liked the rules. You know, but we raised them from little. You know, I don't know that they ever said that they didn't want to come to church because it wouldn't have been an option. So, you know, it, it, you did, that's just what you do, you know. Thankfully, it worked out. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's trial and error at times. All right, boundaries. Study boundaries. If you want to know more, study boundaries. Just look it up. Scriptural boundaries, by the way. There's actually a good book on it. Protection. Protection. Because the days are dark and evil and very scary and very bold, it takes greater protection from us. There's times when they're not going to like it, but you have to do it. Accountability. Today, the, the, the rule and the pressure on our children is be your own person. You don't need to listen to anybody. And some of that's been good because it's caused kids to not be so timid and let everybody tell them what to do, and then they get caught away in doing the wrong thing. So we've taught them this great independence and, you know, started with, okay, this is your body parts that nobody can touch. I mean, remember that? They did all these things to teach children because we, we taught them so much to obey that there were times that we didn't want them to obey because things were getting dark already back then. Well, now today, we need to teach them accountability because, and that there's, there's authority that's in our lives for a purpose. But why is that? Because guess what? Someday they're not going to be in your house. They're going to be out at college or they're going to be in the, a different city working. You want them to understand that the church is a safe place to be, and your pastor or your youth pastor, yes, they got the word of the Lord from you, for you. They will help you. They will pray with you, other spiritual mentors. And if they don't learn accountability and, and respect for authority, the Bible's full of it, by the way, then they, they will they'll just be off on their own and a target for the enemy. They'll be moving by every wind of what people have to say. So your word has to be stronger. Your word has to be stronger. Place them in an environment where they're going to continue to grow. The discipline is so important. And what's the result of disobedience? Now, I will tell you this, that it has to be age-based. You, you, can't, you can't put on a child this big the things that maybe you might need to talk about with a child that's a teenager. Be prepared. The kids need to know what it means to have the fear of the Lord. They need to, they need to have positive reward and affirmation constantly. If you have a rebellious child, you're constantly telling them no, 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 no. As much as you're telling them no, you also your positive affirmation has to be stronger than the fact of what you've been telling them no to. Why is that? Because as they get a little bit older, they, can, they, they start to buck against it.
But if they've heard, you can do anything through Christ. God has given you such a, a powerful uh, gifting in this area. Thank you so much for taking the garbage out today and for listening to your mama. Thank you so much for doing what I asked you to do today. Thank you for being so kind to your brother or sister, constantly affirming, I'm so proud of you. But guess what? doesn't stop when they're little kids. Even more so when they're teenagers. What do we have to do when they're teenagers? They need guidance and accountability. We have to remember they're not grown up. They're not fully grown up. Now, my memory might be a little wrong and timing, but I remember hearing Dobson say that until the age of 16, they don't have complete and total reasoning skills. So don't expect them to be able to reason all the things you're trying to tell them, especially when hormones are raging and there's all this push all around them and they just want to do what they want to do. They're going to need your constant affirmation, constant talking to them about their responsibilities, showing them the love of God, showing them that they are valuable to you in your household and that you're not just constantly annoyed with them because they're not doing it right. Um, that was really a wise decision. I'm so proud of you. Constantly affirming young people. And you do have to watch their friends and you may have to make some serious decisions on this. The tough discussions are starting at an earlier age. I will tell you that. They're starting at an earlier age. Even something like gender confusion. What in the world does that mean? That starts at a younger age where you're teaching children what God says about male and female, right? Whoever thought we would have to teach that. Many temptations our kids are faced, and I don't want to get into detail on this, but just, just ask some older kids. Just, just listen. The temptations are literally dangerous and life-threatening that kids are getting experimenting with today. They're literally can take their lives, the things that they are getting involved in today, and experimenting with. So if we think if we think it's going to be easy, sneezy, you know, oh, they'll be 18 and I'll well, guess what? You're going to be praying the rest of your life for those kids. How about protecting your marriage? Working to keep the unity, exercising loving kindness, mutual respect. How about the gift of attention? Continue to grow in loving and understanding of each other. This is through the seasons of life, every season of life. Have you ever said, who are you and what have you done with my husband? Or who are you and what have you done with my wife? <laughs> I have. I don't know that pastor ever has, but I have. <laughs> and what have you done? <laughs> Growing through the season of life, there's so many changes we go through. But forgiveness is our top priority. Forgiveness and prayer over one another to not just in word, but also in our heart. Forgiveness in word is not enough. It also has to be in our heart that we forgive the person. Hear the heart of the matter and not just the words, the heart of the matter. But be careful with your words because they have power. Don't, and I'm just going to say this and be done, don't allow other things to meet the needs that only your spouse should be feeling. Unhealthy emotional attachments, fantasy, pornography. Let's look at our marriage with the thought, 
Nothing is as usual. Benami's out there. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. I'm not going to settle for the usual in my home and in my marriage. I want my marriage, my home, my family to be put under the light of his love and to show me where there may be a weak area that needs more effort, more prayer, and more help. But Lord, start the work in me. Start the work in me. And how about lastly, our corporate time? Nothing as usual in our corporate gathering. Lord, we want to have greater expectation, greater prayer, greater fervency, a greater love for each other, and a greater compassion for the lost. Fan the flames of revival in us, Lord, and start the work in me. I want to be open to receive all that you have for me. I want to come prepared to be in the presence of the Lord. I want to stand when they sing, Lord, your healing is there for me. Yes, Lord. Is this the day that you're going to heal my knee? I receive it, Lord. I'm not going to just wait and do, I'll do everything I can, but I'm still going to continue to ask. Continue to ask. Continue to ask. Keep the unity Guard our hearts. Guard our hearts. Let's just not walk away from this service today like any other service. It should be that way every week. Lord, what, what did you say to me today? By your spirit, reveal it to me. Because I know this much, that what one person hears, it's amazing to me when I hear people say what they, what they heard. I'm like, really? You heard that? And I heard something completely different. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit in our lives and what matters to us. But there isn't one of us that doesn't have a family, that we can't help to say something to help them when they're in their time of need. You know, we know these principles, we know what's happening, and to give it and to help them to guard their marriages and their hearts. We need to pull together because it takes all of us and to remember we need each other. We need to keep our focus, and this is really important because there is a lot of division that the enemy's trying to do the weirdest things. There's a lot of division. So our job is to keep the hope alive. It should not be, it should not be, woe is me, this is bad. You know, if all you're ever talking about is the bad, that is not going to stimulate the next generation, generation, I can tell you that. Because they're standing there going, I've got a whole life to live and, and I want to do this and this and this. Yep, you do. And guess what? God cares about it. He cares about your life. You know, my pastor just sent a text this past week to my dear little nephew who lost his wife six months ago. I mean, 30 or 32 years old, and he lost his wife. She's gone. In a moment, she's gone. And this kid, young man, is trying to face life like, what, Lord? And the simple words, pastor's so good at, he's like, Robert, God cares about your happiness. God cares about your future. That's what our young people need to hear. That's what they need to hear. They need to hear the goodness of God. But they might also need to hear, drop the sin that so easily besets you and turn around and flee. They might need to hear that too. Remember that when it gets darker, his coming is near. The darker it gets, 
His coming is near. Should be a positive thing. God's always on time. He knows what he's doing. He's in control of everything, even when it seems out of control. His timing is perfect. And we must remember our calling. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. A different president is not the hope of the world. Right? No pandemic is not the hope of the world. Will it be wonderful? Yes. But it's Jesus. And when we put our neck on the line, verbally, out in the world, let's make sure that what we're standing up for lines up with the word of God and is Jesus and him crucified. That's what we stand up for. That's what we proclaim, the hope of the world. Also, I wanted to say, this is so precious to me. This is 2 Peter 3. Let's not forget one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No. No. He's being patient for our sakes. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. Not no one. He wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come, unexpectedly and like a thief. And there's a whole bunch more then. So what ought we to be? Holy and godly. That's what it says. Holy and godly. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. So then, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Powerful. 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 And remember, the Lord's patience gives time for people to be saved. It gives time for people to be saved. So be on guard. Then you'll not be carried away by the errors of wicked people and lose your own secure footing. But rather, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. So be it. Amen. So be it. Seek the Lord while we may be found. Hey, Karen, do you mind, you guys want to come? things not as usual, we should be compelled to do more, compelled to give more, compelled to sacrifice more, right? To give more, to give more of ourselves, to surrender ourselves to his will. We're to watch and pray, Luke 21, 36, and we're to seek the Lord. An old, again, I told you, this is the way the Lord deals with me. 
Karen, before you play, I wanna, I'm gonna sing a, 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 an old song, okay? So just give me a second. Absolutely. Two things. First of all, back to the, the, the lost. Lord, consume me with compassion for the lost, I pray. For the millions who are lost and cannot find their way. Melt my callous heart with love no matter what the cost. Lord, consume me with compassion for the lost. Amen? Amen. He brought an old song. I can remember my pastor singing it. And I'm not going to sing this one, Carrie, so you can play. <laughs> that was already scary enough. <laughs> oh. It's the strangest song. Flowing into God. Flowing into God. What does that mean? We sang it a thousand times in church as a kid. I can remember seeing Pastor Martin sitting up there, patting his leg like this. Sitting in a chair because he couldn't stand anymore. Flowing into God. It takes a breaking. It takes a melting. It takes a breaking. It takes a melting. It takes a breaking. It takes a melting, flowing into God. What does it mean to flow into God? It's flowing into the river of God's spirit. What he's saying today, it's flowing with each other in the move of God's spirit over our lives. It's, 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 it's taking a risk to be shoulder to shoulder with other brothers and sisters who may know what we're like during the week and then we come in on Sunday and act a different way. It's, it's flowing in, in, in the move of his spirit today and what he's saying. We were talking in Sunday school about how the Israelites had God's promise and he, and he, and, and how many times they failed. And God could still forgive him. He was ready to kill them all and start over. And some of them did have to face consequences. They didn't get to see the promised land because of their unbelief. But the cloud came, and when the cloud would lift, they would follow the cloud, right? When it would settle, they would stay. When it would lift, they would pack up everything, pack up the temple, everything was, was uh, mobile, and they would move to the next place. That's what we need to be. We need to flow in that river. But it takes a breaking, and it takes a melting. A breaking of our will, a breaking of our desire to have our own way, to live like the world, you know, to be close to it and yet not quite so close that we, you know, get a little bit smoky, but we're not, we're not all the way there. It takes a breaking and a desire to do the will of the Lord 
and it takes a melting. A melting, a willingness to bend, a willingness to be formed anew, a willingness to be repaired, repaired from the things that have caused us to become leaky vessels, a willingness to, to let the Lord into the room of our heart that where even we won't go. It takes a breaking. It takes a melting. Seeking the Lord while he may be found. I thought this was beautiful. I heard a pastor speaking, and it's been a while ago. He says, the more you read the word of God, the more you want to. The more you worship, the more you long to worship. You just want to keep going. If you're not if you're not passionate right now, I'll tell you what to do. Seek. Because if you seek him, you will hunger for him. You will hunger for him. And when you seek the Lord, something happens to your heartbeat. Something happens to your purpose. Something happens to how you think. It is a bottomless, inexhaustible depth. That's what flowing in to God is about, seeking him. It is a realm where God dwells. It's a realm where God dwells. When you start to seek the Lord, if you're not passionate, I'm just saying, if you want more passion, it will not be inspiration. It will be discipline, a spiritual discipline to begin the process. But the fruit that dis that discipline will yield is a greater hunger, a hunger for more of God, a hunger for more of God. Luke 21, 36, watch therefore and pray always that you may have the strength to be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and be able to stand before the Son of Man. It's time to wake up, it's time to get up, it's time to seek the Lord. I'm truly humbled, Lord. I'm humbled in your presence. And I thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in my own heart. Oh God, and I can feel the heartbeat of this people, Lord, who want to be strong for you, Lord, and in and are strong for you. And in this new day, in this new hour, in this new season, Lord, as you pour out your plans and your purpose, Lord, I ask for a continued abiding unity, a strength that goes beyond our own resolution, Lord, but that that which makes us powerful in the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you've given us such great power through your spirit, God, that we can literally hold back the spirit of wickedness. And Lord, we do so because in your, according to your word, you don't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so, Lord, just continue to move on our hearts. Continue to, to, to challenge us so that we are the most powerful people of light 
and hope. That as our song that we sang today about the joy in the presence of the Lord, that there is the greatest of expectation as we gather. And Lord, that we continue to believe for miracles and wonders, Lord. And when those who don't know you come into our presence, Lord, that we would have the love and the, and the joy and the hope to be able to speak into their lives and help them with the complexities of life, Lord. Help us in our family and homes, Lord. Help us to know what to do when these large, bold, evil challenges come against our family. Help us, Lord, to know who the enemy is and not to be fighting one another, Lord, not to be angry when we see these things and the spirit that comes sometimes upon things, Lord, but to call it what it is. Nothing is usual. Nothing is usual. This is a spiritual warfare we're fighting. Help us to apply every spiritual principle we have in our arsenal so that we are powerful for you, Lord. And we are so grateful for your presence. We are so grateful that you don't leave us alone, that you promised a victorious ending to these things, Lord, and that we have the promise of a future with you, Lord God. Help us to tell it to our children and our children's children that Jesus is coming soon. Help us to know how to explain it at every age level so that they understand what the fear of the Lord is and are able to grasp the things that they need to stay away from, Lord. Show us how to put proper boundaries on our lives of our families, but yet to give them this joy of the love of Jesus that they need to see. Show us how to encourage and how to strengthen one another, and yes, how to hold each other accountable. Lord, we just ask that sin would be removed from our lives and that we would say no to the enemy and that we would not allow the things that have held us back continue to hold us back any longer. That we would call it what it is. That we would call it sin. This is, it's not wrong to call it sin. We just confess it to you, Lord. And we just ask for your help, your forgiveness, your mercy and grace like you always give. But Lord, we also ask that you'd help us to forgive one another because we can see the sin in each other too because we don't do everything right. We make mistakes. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be the, the large and glorious and powerful army you've called us to be. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh God, I put a hedge of protection around these kids and these teenagers, Lord God. Oh, that you would come into their spirits in this hour and that you would show them the value that they have in the kingdom. That you would reveal to their hearts that they would feel you. It would be a felt presence. It would be something that they cannot deny. Oh, move, move, move in this day by the rip, by your river. Flow. Cause a melting. Cause a melting of our hearts and a willingness to be to be molded into the beauty of what God has for us because in that is the only joy that we have. In that is the reward of salvation. In that is the soon coming time where we get to be with Jesus. And there will be no more sorrow there. There will be no more pain. But Lord, we all want to be there. And we want our families to be there. We want to be there together, Lord. Thank you for the urgency of your spirit that comes to us this day. And we will not take it lightly in Jesus' name.